Thank you, Lord Jesus. Today, for the last few weeks here, I've been speaking about this idea of rebirth, and I want to do that again here. I'm not going to be before you long, but I do want to continue the theme of rebirth we've been going through. Um, rebirth is an important concept and purpose in this church. Um, it's something that we believe in completely. The scriptures endorse it repeatedly. And so we're going to go back over some of those scriptures today where we talk about this idea of rebirth. This idea that we are born again. Born again, this rebirth notion um, that the Lord has kind of put in place. And we kind of, we were looking at it from the perspective of St. John chapter three and this encounter that um, Jesus has with this man called Nicodemus. And this man called Nicodemus is a ruler of the Jews, a person who knows a lot about the customs of believing on the Lord, and he knows a lot, but he comes to Jesus with a whole bunch of things that he doesn't know. And so he asks, he doesn't even ask Jesus anything, we, we understand he comes to him and tells Jesus what he does know. And what he does know has got nothing to do with what Jesus is offering. <laughs> Many of us have relationships with the Lord, and I'm not here to tell you you don't. Uh, what I'm here to tell you is that there's always a closer relationship you can have with him. There's always a closer walk you can get with him. I don't want you to limit yourself by saying that you know, in fact, I don't position my life that way. I position my life to know, Lord, I want to know more about you. When I was married, when we first married, I thought I knew my wife pretty well. It happens that I actually didn't know her at all. <laughs> I realized that um, I didn't know her at all. Then I'll tell you why. Because we had presented our best selves to each other the whole time. Sensibly so. I presented my best self and she presented her best self. <laughs> right? But then as soon as you know, we had a situation where we didn't know what was going on. I have to present the part of me that I didn't realize who I was in this situation. So we, I remember when we, were, when we were, it was about nine months into our marriage, we were still in England, and we were going on a trip. And I had decided I was gonna get the tickets for the train and we were gonna go, we were going to Warwick Castle, that was it. And we were, we were getting ready, I was getting all the things ready, and I said to her, look, I've got the red, everything ready. And she says, okay. And this kind of dismissed, dismissed me. And I thought, wow, maybe she's not interested. Um, and so I kind, of, I kind of thought about how she was saying it to me, and she, from her perspective was, she was saying, I trust you. you if you say you've taken care of it, I'm not even gonna think about it again. From my perspective, I saw her and says, man, she just didn't, wasn't even interested in what I was saying. And it was amazing to me that I, in that situation, just a little bit of stress created it so I didn't know what she was saying. I misinterpreted what she was saying, right? And it's amazing to me how relationships are like that. <laughs> you think you said something a certain way and you realize you actually don't understand what the person said at all. Because <laughs> you've brought all your feelings with you. <laughs> and so the thing that was supposed to be kind actually ends up not being so kind at all. So what, how did I learn what that quick answer meant? Just by getting to know her better. <laughs> like the next time I, said, I, I asked the question, I said, well, what, why were you so quick with that answer? Why, did, did, did you not interested? No, I trust you. <laughs> Didn't have to get into any more detail. You took care of it. You said you took care of it. Good. I'm saying that to say our relationship with the Lord is the exact same thing. You've read everything you've said. You've probably read most of the Bible at this point in your life. 
but you didn't know how it applied until you were going through a stressful situation. Like you thought you did, but now you're going through it and he, and he says, well, I need you to love your neighbor as yourself and you've got the most annoying neighbor. <laughs> now it's the challenge of that scripture you start to understand it, right? So I'm not here to tell you you don't know the Lord, I'm just asking you, inviting you in to know him a bit better. <laughs> I'm asking, inviting you to know him a little bit better. So in John chapter 3, could we go there really quickly? It's not where I want to sit, but I just want to go there really quickly. St. John chapter 3. Thank you, Lord. It says this, St. John chapter 3 verse 1 says, There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. The same came to Jesus by night and said unto him, Rabbi, we know... <laughs> that thou art a teacher come from God, for no man can do the things, these miracles that thou doest, except God be with him. Jesus answered and said unto him, verily, verily, or truly, truly, I say unto you, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said unto him, how can a man be born when he is old, that's crazy. How can you, why are you telling me to be born again? I'm, I'm an adult, fully formed adult. How can I be born again? Can he enter a second time in his mother's womb and be born? He offers the most ridiculous answer based on what he knows about the, the physics of this situation, right? How can I be born again? Jesus says unto you, verily I say unto thee, except a man be born of the water, here we go, and of the spirit, Thank you, Jesus. He cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of spirit is flit. Sorry, that which is born of flesh is flesh. And that which is born of spirit is spirit. Marvel not. Don't be surprised when I say to you, you must be born again. So could you keep reading that for me? That which is born of flesh is flesh. Yes, sir. That which is born of spirit is spirit. Marvel not. And I say unto you, he must be born again. So we've gone through the scripture. Jesus is telling them that you are born of flesh, but I need you to be, be reborn in the spirit. Like the things that are applicable to you are in the spirit, so I need you to be born again. And in order to do that, I need you to be born of water and of the spirit. Now, I actually wanted to dive, actually, this is the founding scripture, but this is where I really want to land is in Luke chapter 24. This is um, if the, the gospel of Luke and the book of Acts, the two scriptures I'm going to come from today, are written by the same person. Um, Paul refers to Luke as the beloved physician. He refers to him as this beloved physician, this person that is loved. In fact, Paul, when he's on his ministry in Acts, Luke's with him like half of the time. So Luke is a key witness of what goes on with the life of Jesus and the early church. And he writes two New Testament books, Luke and Acts. He writes them to this person who we really don't know much about, but his name is Theolophis. And this, this word simply means beloved of God. And we assume he's a person of the church who's learning about Jesus. So Luke is trying to show them not just what became of the early church, but who Jesus was. And so I'm just going to read a couple of scriptures here. We're going to start at Luke 24 and verse 45. 45, yes, sir. You can do that. Open he their understanding. So this is immediately after the resurrection. Jesus has come back to his disciples. And what does the first thing this, this, this scripture says? 
Then he opened he their understanding. <laughs> when I was studying this this week, I was like, wait a minute. Opening their understanding now? Like, Jesus has had a three-year ministry, public ministry, and he's had the disciples and the apostles with him the whole time, every step of the way. And this is what I mean about getting closer relationship with him. You can be with him and really not get it. Like he had to, look, you guys have just gone through a traumatic experience because you thought I was dead. And he's resurrected now. Can you imagine how that would just kind of mess with your, he's the miracle worker, he's the Messiah, we thought he was the one, and then he's been dead for three days and we were kind of just out of it. And Jesus comes back to them and strengthens them and says, actually, this is how it was supposed to be. Let's keep reading. Then open he their understanding. And I've got to make you understand because you didn't understand before. I know you were with me. I know you believed on me, but I need you to understand now what this was all about. It's amazing to me how many of the, the things we read and watch, we don't get it until the very end. Right. And then if you ever watched a film and like you thought the film was about one thing and then the last five minutes of the film changes your whole idea of what the film was about. Right. <laughs> like lots of films do this, like you thought you understood what was going on. He was definitely the bad guy. He was definitely the good guy. And I'm just waiting for this film to be over. Only to see at the very end, you had no clue what the film was. And this is what Jesus is telling his disciples. You thought you knew me, but now I'm going to explain the whole thing. Let's keep going, sir. Then open he their understanding that they might understand the scriptures. Yes, sir. And he said unto them, thus it is written, and thus it is behooved Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day. So I need to explain something to you. You thought me dying, you thought them capturing me was just a horrible incident. But I'm here to tell you this is what the scriptures have been saying had to happen. Amen. This wasn't something happening to me. This is something happening for you. Do you understand the difference? This wasn't just a coincidence or something that, was ha something that happened that was outside of my plan. Yes, this was the plan from the beginning. <laughs> There's four principles right at the end of Luke that he goes over that I need you to understand and kind of sit on. The first one is that his suffering was part of the whole plan. Yes, they didn't do this to me, I did this for you. Yes, yes. Okay, let's keep going, sir. Verse 47 and that repentance and remission of sins yeah. should be preached in his name among all nations beginning at Jerusalem. So this is the second principle. So the first one we've got down, suffering, resurrection, all a part of the plan. Yes, the prophets speak about it. Amen. Everything speaks about it. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. What's verse two? And then 47 says, and repentance. That repentance yes. and remission of sins should be preached in his name. <laughs> This idea of a new start and a new beginning was part of the whole plan all the time. Yes, the part we just read about in John, the part where he says, I'm gonna have you give you a rebirth, yes. was part of the plan the whole time. Yes, and the only thing you need to do to activate it is repent. Amen. Amen. And what does repent mean? And just to kind of give you a definition of repent is to simply feel sorry, express sincere regret about one's wrongdoing. That is a really easy way to get a rebirth. Like, it couldn't get any easier. To start with simply feeling sorry for the wrong things you've done. That is the start of this idea of rebirth. 
Jesus is kind of giving you a quick summary of what my whole three-year ministry was. I was always going to die. I was always going to raise again on the third day. I, was, I want you to preach repentance and remission. Of sins. Yes. To be preached in his name. Yes, sir. Among all nations. Right. Beginning at Jerusalem. And then what does the next verse say? Verse 48. And ye are witnesses of these things. So no, we've got down to the third thing. The apostles, these disciples, were supposed to be witnesses of what Jesus was doing. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. They were the ones supposed to be the ones to tell it. Let's keep going. Verse 49. And behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry ye in the day and the city of Jerusalem until ye be endued with power from on high. Excellent. So now the four principles are out there. Amen. Number one. Suffering was a part of the whole plan. That was not a surprise. That was not a hiccup. That was the way it was supposed to be. I was supposed to suffer and die. The second principle, repentance and remission of sin is how we're going to get this message out there. People are going to repent and they're going to have the remission or removal of all their sins. Okay? Next one. The apostles and disciples are witnesses. You are the ones who have to speak of it because you are the ones who saw the whole thing. That's right, that's right. The last principle is that this promise of the Holy Ghost. Holy Ghost that's right. So this is Luke's first book to Theolophis. Theolophis, I can't pronounce his name, it's killing me. Theolophis. <laughs> the second book is Acts. Okay, so if this were a two-part film, we're going to go to the second film now to make sure you understand what the first film was about. So let's look at, go, go to Acts real quick. So Acts chapter 1 verse, I'm going to start at Acts chapter 1, I want you to go to Acts 2.12. But Acts chapter 1 starts like this, the former treaties have I made the office of all that Jesus began to what? Do and teach. So he's said, I've wrote to you all a, a book, that is what we know as Gospel of Luke, and I'm writing to you a second part about what the Acts of the Apostles are. All right, so this is the second part. Acts 2.12 reads what? And they were all amazed. Yes, sir. And were in doubt, saying one to another, what meaneth this? So now we've seen the, the, the apostles have been waiting for the Holy Spirit, waiting for the Holy Ghost to come. Yes, and they are speaking in tongues as the, the Spirit gives them utterance. And everybody's seeing this and watching them as they receive the Holy Ghost, right? And they say, and they said, we're all amazed. Yes. And we're in doubt, saying one to another, what meaneth this? Questions. What does this mean? What can this possibly mean? And as I read this this week, all I could think of is this is exactly where Nicodemus started. With questions. Like, what, how can this be? What does this mean? And everybody who has an encounter with Jesus, even though they think they know who he is, might have also a question, what does it mean? I know he's a good person, I know he healed the sick, I know he healed the lame, I know he took care of the poor, I know all those things, but what does his salvation really mean? What does verse 13 say? Others mocking said, these men are full of new wine. These people must be drunk. They can't be, the way they're speaking and going on, they cannot be sober, that's not possible. <laughs> Peter's response was quick and swift. He says, we're not drunk. First of all, it's the third hour of the day. 
actually that's translating to our day as nine o'clock in the morning. So no, no one's drinking this early. Okay, that's just not the case. It's nine o'clock in the morning, that's not the case. But he goes on, if, if we can go to, um, we go to Acts, uh, let's go to th all the way down to 32, please. Yeah. Now Peter's in the middle of preaching. This is the first time Peter's done anything without the Lord Jesus. This is the first time Peter spoke without Jesus being around. He spent three years training. He spent three years under his ministry. He's opened up Peter's understanding. And this is the message that Peter's preaching. Verse 32. This Jesus has God raised up, whereof we are all witnesses. Exactly the part of the, 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 the summary of Luke. We are witnesses to who Jesus is. Let's keep going. Therefore, being by the right hand of God, exalted and having received of the Father the promise of the Holy Ghost. And the whole promise of the Holy Ghost, yes. He has shed forth this, which ye now see and hear. Right. For David is not descended into the, the heavens, but he said to himself, the Lord said unto the, my Lord, sit thou on my right hand. Yeah, keep going, sir. Until I make thee thy enemies thy footstool. Yeah. Therefore, let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God has made him, that same Jesus whom you have crucified, both Lord and Christ. All the points of Luke have kind of been, kind of been carried out, that Jesus' death wasn't an accident. We're about to get to the repentance part, so I'll skip that for a second. That we are the apostles of witnesses, and that there is a promise of the Holy Ghost. The thing that you just saw with us speaking in tongues was nothing other than the Holy Spirit being promised to us. Now let's go to verse 37. Now, when they heard this, they were pricked in their hearts and said unto Peter and to the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? Just like at the beginning, and just like Nicodemus, I find out a little bit more about Jesus and he's creating questions in me. What am I gonna do now? Now that I know he wasn't just a good guy, now that I know he was more than just a person who spoke about good things, right, positive things, positive messages, we can pick out the Jesus we want and be selective about who we want to be with Jesus. But the Jesus he wants you to be is right in the scripture too, right? It's amazing to me how we can have friends and think completely different things about them because of our experiences with them. And in order to become true friends, I have to know all about you and you have to know all about me. And this is the part where we find out all about Jesus and what he wanted for us. So let's keep going. He says in verse 38. Then Peter said unto them, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. So Peter's, <laughs> Peter's got the message. He's got the, absolutely got the memo about what it's supposed to be we are supposed to do. We present the Jesus who can save. We present the Jesus who tears down the mountain. We, we present the Jesus who kicks down the wall. We present the Jesus who absolutely destroys and lights up the dark places. <laughs> the only thing you have to do is simply repent. That's it. <laughs> 
Can you imagine your credit card company calling you this afternoon and saying, ah, I see, you're up over 20,000 now. But if you are really sorry about all the debt you've accumulated, we're going to make it, make it go away. Can you imagine how quickly I'd say sorry? If my credit card was maxed out, thanks be to God, it's not. But imagine it was maxed out. And my credit card company called me up and said, nah, I'm seeing you've got no chance of paying this back. Say a sincere sorry. And mean it from your heart. You know how quickly, I would write the, I would write the apology. I'd do YouTube video of the apology. I would tweet the apology. Anything they wanted. But what does, but think now, the debt you're in with sin, with the things you've done wrong, everything you've said, everything you've thought, and you're in debt right now. And Jesus said, the only thing I need to do is feel sorry for those things. That's it. You're fit, you're out of it. You don't have to worry about it anymore. <laughs> Go back to verse 38. Then Peter said unto them, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sin. Oh, man. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. So, wait a minute. Not only is he saying, am I going to make sure all your debt's paid for, but I'm going to give you a gift after I've paid you. <laughs> I'm going to give you some credit. <laughs> if to, to, to lend from my credit card um, example, and not only am I going to pay your debt, but I'm going to give you a little bit of money in your bank account. This is salvation. This is, when I say salvation, and I talk about relationship with Christ, this is what I hear. Love, uh, to be clear, I love that he healed the sick. Love it. I love that he empowered the poor. Love it. I love that he spoke truth to those who were in power. And he said to them, this is the way it should be. I love that. But the thing I adore about my relationship with Christ is the fact that he forgave all of my sins. He washed them all away. <laughs> you're not going to get a better deal than this. I don't know what you're waiting for. I'm not sure what relationship you think's coming around the corner. But no other faith is promising what Jesus promised his people. <laughs> they said at the start of this, what, how can we get out of this? What can we do to fix this problem? I imagine they must, some people in that crowd were the ones that asked Jesus to be crucified. I'm sure they haven't forgotten how long ago, because remember Jesus was as famous as he got. He was known throughout the region. And they've just found out by Peter speaking through the Holy Spirit, and he's told them, you actually killed the one who came to save us. Can you imagine how bad they felt? How can we fix this? How can we fix not only that we, were, we didn't understand who he was, but we didn't know what we owed. How do we fix this? He says, repent. He could have asked anything. And what does he say? Just repent. He's been opened up his understanding in Luke. Luke's continuing the story. And he says, now that I understand everything, I'm just asking you to repent. Just feel, that's it. There's no special things you have to do. Repent. The scripture says, then Peter said unto them, repent and be baptized, every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Verse 39 says, For the promise is unto you, yes. 
and to your children <laughs> and to all that are afar. Man, this promise is so strong yes. that it impacts generations. This is a generational blessing. This is something that is to you and to your children and to people that aren't even in my hearing right now. People who can't hear this word today, this is for them too. This is, <laughs> this is an incredible promise. This is a beautiful promise. I love, like I said, I love the Jesus of the Beatitude. Love it. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit. Love it. I love the Jesus that says, forgive your enemies. I've got it. But I absolutely adore the Jesus that is giving me salvation. That is helping my soul. <laughs> that part of me that I thought would never be resolved, he helps. He fixes. And he doesn't make it complicated. <laughs> he doesn't make it complicated. He has brought salvation to my heart. Let me just read verse 30. Go ahead and read verse 37 and 38, and I'll take this out in the name of the Lord. Now, when they had heard this, they were pricked in their hearts and said unto Peter and the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? What should we do? Then Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. In fact, let's just keep reading down to verse 41, if you would, sir, help me. The promise is unto you. Yes. And to your children, and to all that are far off. Even as many as the Lord our God shall call, and with many other words did he testify and exult, saying, Save yourselves from this untoward generation. Then they gladly received his word and were baptized, and the same day there were added unto them about 3,000 souls. If this message is easy for you to receive, yes. the response then yes. is to simply be baptized. Yes. If that's, if that's what you hear, if, if you hear the voice of the Lord in this message, the response for those people was, man, I'm going to have to be baptized. You see that? All the way from Jesus telling his disciples, you're the witnesses, go do this thing. I'm opening up your understanding, go do this. And the first chance they get, they said, just repent be baptized and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Anybody who's responding to the spirit of repentance is to be baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. May the Lord add a blessing to the reading of his word. Amen.